I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, Finding Yourself in Life's Little Moments. Hi, dear listener. So I'm sitting on my favorite sandstone rock overlooking the vast Pacific, and the sky is an uninterrupted blue, and the sea is reflecting that blue in its gentle waves and motion moving towards me from the horizon's edge. That edge is clearly delineated. It is as blue a day as they come. And that is a blessed thing because as far as the eye can see north and south, up and down the line, as Van Morrison, one of my favorite singer-songwriters, said in one of his most famous songs back from the early 1970s up and down the line he was talking about San Francisco that's where he was when he wrote that here I am at the eastern edge of Sydney Australia and up and down the line of this coast there's no smoke to be seen no fires at least as far as I can see which is a blessed thing Hopefully they're not occurring other places inland or further south or further north. We need rain. We need more rain. We absolutely need more rain. But to have a blue day in the summer time is really beautiful. And, you know, I was sitting with a very dear friend of mine the other day. I really, really love keeping the company of people who have experienced many decades of life 70 decades 80, 90 I love being with people who have lived that long and this is a friend of mine who has lived many decades and I really feel that one of the incredible benefits of sharing company with someone like that and she's really perhaps my closest friend here in Australia since I moved two years ago is that you have almost like a window they're able to give you a window into into the past now my friend's family first arrived in Australia in 1820, 200 years ago exactly. And for this country, as far as white settlement goes, that's almost as far back as it gets. Of course, the first people of this land have been here for, now they think, 60,000 years, maybe longer, who knows? but they used to think it was 40,000 years, and now they believe it's as long as 60,000. Well, it's quite a thing to contemplate. But as I was sitting there having tea with my friend, you'll hear people coming by, walking or running like that man was. 
Um, as I was sharing tea with my friend, she reflected on her past, some very specific experiences which will probably stay with me for a long, long time, which I want to share with you here. So her family first arrived in Australia from the British Isles, I believe, yes, um, in 1820, 200 years ago. And she's lived through much of the 20th century and now into the 21st century, and here I've met her, you know, just two years ago, in 2018. And we got onto this topic of letters and communication and human communication, because you see, for much of her life, it took a long time for people to transmit the amount of time that it took for someone to transmit their message to a loved one back in the homeland, which would have been, say, Britain, England, Scotland, Ireland, France. Certainly the British Isles, many people settled here from Britain and then from Europe and so on, Eastern Europe, and there were waves of immigration. But for a significant portion of her life, the way that one communicated, certainly at first, uh, the first, say, 20 or 30 years of her life, the, the way that one communicated was by letter. And those letters often traveled by sea. Air travel was very expensive, and certainly in the early part of the 20th century, definitely by sea, progressively more by airplane. But the transatlantic telephone call was something that only really began to happen for people generally and it was very expensive in the 50s and 60s, if you can imagine, the 1950s and 60s. So really, relatively speaking, not that long ago. But we were musing together about this experience of receiving communication from a loved one. And she was talking about how when white people came here when Europeans and Britons, you know, people from Britain and the British Isles came here. Usually that was it, you know. They didn't go back. It was a hard enough passage to get here, certainly in 1820 or 1880 or 1910 or 1940, coming by ship to Australia from Europe or Britain would have been, an, you know, an arduous ordeal, often an ordeal I would think and unless you had the wealth necessary to travel well and even then so people who came here came really like I did to start a new life but they didn't have all of these modern technologies that I have the benefit of 
having. You know, all of us do now, many of us. They just had the letter way back then. And a letter could take something like six to eight months or longer to get back to one's family, to one's loved ones, you know, way back where one came from. And that was the one connection. Can you imagine? I mean, it's really, it's really something to just stop for a moment and imagine that you've traveled 12,000 miles to a new place, very different, very strange in many ways, very, very unknown. You arrive on these shores, a place so different from where you've come, to start a new life, maybe by yourself, maybe with your partner, husband at that time, you know, maybe with some family, maybe not. And the only thing that connects you back to where you've come is a letter. A letter that either you send to someone back home, a beloved, or a letter that they send to you. And my dear friend was reflecting on those times when ships would arrive into Sydney Harbor carrying the mail. And she reflected on what it would have been like for people to receive those letters and how they would pour over each word holding that paper that had been touched and written upon by their loved one, holding it in their hand, the one connection back to the place from whence they came, the one connection back to what they knew, to the familiar, to the people they loved and left to start, you know, here a new life. And my friend reflected in the most poignant way the experience of receiving a letter like that, connecting you back to that place that you called home. And she told me about how one time one of these ships was caught in a storm not far out from the entrance to Sydney Harbor. And how that ship, in this very bad storm, and I'll tell you, the storms can be incredibly bad around here. There was one only just three years ago that basically, uh, I mean, just caused enormous, enormous damage. So the sea and the weather can be crazily rough. And that ship was uh, caught in it. And even though it wasn't that far from its destination, it went down. And my friend, with a tear in her eye and a kind of way of describing this, having known what it was like in her own lifetime to feel the importance of letters, said, can you imagine all those letters that went down with that ship? And all the people who were expecting something from the one that they loved. And there those letters were, never to be rescued, retrieved, you know, there at the bottom of the ocean. And what those people would have felt like, 
when they knew that that ship had gone down, of course, the loss of life as well. But my friend interestingly focused on the letters, those letters that never made it to their destination, to the people for whom they were written. So my friend also recounted times back in the early 60s, which frankly is not that long ago. (laughs) I don't know how old you are, but I'll tell you, it's not that long ago. And she was working in England for a period of some time and made the trip over there to work at Australia House in London. And she said at that time in the early 60s, a trans-oceanic call, phone call, cost 30 pounds, 30 English pounds, for three minutes. And she said at that time, her wage was 60 pounds a week. So for three minutes, the cost of calling her family here, her mom, her dad, her family here, whom she was calling, you know, to say hello from England, where she was, cost her a half week salary. And she said she would do it just twice a year. She would call just twice a year for 30 pounds and speak for three minutes. And she said that because of the way that transoceanic line worked, there were relay I don't know all the details myself and all the ins and outs of it technically, but there were relay stations. The line, of course, I think went under underwater, I think. I'm not sure. I think I have to research this. It's fascinating, actually. But there were relay stations that would strengthen the signal. And when you spoke, she described how you would hear this echo. Boom, 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 boom. You'd say, hello, 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 hello. You know, and the echo would, from each word, would go out and come back to you as you were speaking, heard by the other person and heard by you, and then they would speak and simultaneously, you know, and then similarly, that echo would be set in motion. Hello, 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 hello. And that's how it worked. So that's not that long ago, as I said, you know, that uh, that was the, the means by which people communicated. And I can even remember back in the early 80s, which isn't that long ago either, 40 years ago. I was traveling in the Middle East, in Israel, and Greece. I took a year off from college and went out and did... People weren't doing it as much then. I was a little bit unusual, you know. I took a year off and and went traveling, and, you know, a lot of it was solo, but I seemed to always be meeting people, and I did have some relatives over there in Israel. Um, But I remember how it was not easy. I remember these phone boxes, you know, phone booths here and there. There was no such thing as mobile phones, cellular phones, cell phones. It wasn't that easy to call. 
I remember calling my aunt, my grandmother, my mother, you know. I mean, you remember the calls because they weren't easy to make. They weren't as expensive as they were in the early 60s for my friend, but nonetheless, they weren't that cheap. I remember my grandma sending me money to make phone calls. You see, the world's changed a lot in these times. So I think I'll always remember and what inspired me to make this podcast, dear listener, was really the image of those letters coming by boat across the Indian Ocean, you know, around to Sydney, past Indonesia, would have come through, would have come around Cape of Good Hope. I believe that's it in Africa, South Africa, it would have come through there. I don't know about the Suez Canal. I'm not sure, but it was a long way. Those letters would have come a long journey. And if they reached their recipient, those people having anticipated receiving those letters in the most beautiful way, holding them in their hands, reading each word, cherishing them for as long, perhaps, as they lived. You know, as those people lived, they would keep cherishing them and held them and, you know, held them and kept them. Or, you know, that boat that went down and other boats that never made it, it wasn't always easy. And those letters going down and ending up never making it to their recipient, to the person who was hoping to hear some word ending up those letters you know at the bottom of the ocean it's so poignant so in the podcast that I'm going to make to follow this one I'm going to read a poem that my friend shared with me over tea when we were talking about communication and it's called The Women of the West it was written back in the 19 century 1800s by a man named George Essex Evans who's living here in Australia and amazingly amazingly uncannily he wrote about the women who made their way to this place the women who would have longed for those letters the women who perhaps came with a husband and that's why they made this treacherous, difficult journey and ended up living here in Australia in the 19th century, 1800s, time when it was so different. It was so different, often ending up in the outback, in a tin shed, with a well outside, parched landscape, I mean, you can imagine the quintessential image, right, of the outback back then, and even some places now, really. So in my next podcast, I'm going to title it The Women of the West and read that poem to you because, amazingly, it was written by a man, and there's a particular line 
that my friend quoted to me about how the women were often living a hundred miles, that a woman was often living a hundred miles from the nearest other woman and what that would have been, what that would have been like to really have no real companionship with any other women, any other person that you, for, with whom one could share one's deepest feelings and experiences. It's a beautiful line. The nearest woman's face may be a hundred miles away. So my friend and I sitting over coffee, tea, <laughs> sharing these experiences, were two women here in Australia. And here I've come a long way. And she's now my dearest friend. And thank goodness, is much, much, much less than a hundred miles away. It is a very soothing thing. So in my next podcast, I'm going to read that poem, The Women of the West. And uh, I look forward to sharing that with you. Human communication, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We are communicating creatures. It's like lifeblood, actually. People don't do well when they're not able to communicate. You know, we need it to share our inmost feelings, to talk about what happened in the day, to ask another for advice, to pose a thought, an idea, you know, all these things are communicated between us. And so with that, dear listener, thank you so much for being there. I'm communicating this to you. It's a beautiful thing. I appreciate your listening ear, and I hope this finds you very, very well. So God bless you. Take good care, okay? Bye for now. Bye for now. Bye.